against all odds, part of the Extra Points Podcast Network. Cousin Sal here. Yes, we have a good one for you today. I gave the degenerate trifecta off a well-deserved day off. And hopefully, hopefully they go out and write books because I told them, from now on, we're only having authors on the show. We have one on tonight, former WWE Monday Night Raw head writer, Brian Gewurz. But before we get to that lunatic, it's time for our Buffalo Wild Wings Spicy Player Prop of the Week. I am hitting the NFL Futures Pool and betting Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott to win head coach of the year. 30 to 1 odds. I have the Bills 30 to 1 odds. That's insane. I have the Bills winning 13 games this year. They had the number one scoring defense in the league last year. They added Von Miller. They extended Stefan Diggs. Schedule-wise, they have the best rest differential in the league. This team was one dumb overtime rule away from hosting the AFC Championship game, and they might even be better this year. Sean McDermott reaps the benefits. I don't know why it's 30 to 1, but you should go out there, do yourself a favor, bet on him for coach of the year, and cash all that money. All right, Buffalo Wild Wings, how hot was that take? Desert heat. All right. That's one of the best. I'll take it. Go ahead and book your draft party online. www.buffalowildwings.com slash fantasy. Yeah. Go out there and book your draft party in advance. You get half off bar food appetizers and it includes a punishment pack. This is great. Six free blazing wings. You get a last place big bib. Whoever came in last place gets a certificate of underachievement and has to eat those six free blazing wings. And you get to watch and laugh at him or her. Yes, it's an off-premise bundle. 20 wings plus fries plus premium fantasy pros, fantasy football content. Fantasy Pro is one of the top fantasy football content providers. So do it all. Buffalo Wild Wings, buffalowildwings.com slash fantasy. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with Brian Gewertz. All right, let's bring in our guest. Very excited about this one. His new book is called There's Just One Problem, True Tales from the Former One-Time Seventh Most Powerful Person in WWE, from parts unknown, weight unknown, our good pal, Brian Gordes. Oh, What's happening, buddy? Thank you. Thank you for weight being <laughs> unknown, too. Everything uh, is going good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Listen, we're going to get to this book, which is fantastic. Uh, first half is fantastic. I hope it doesn't. I uh, hope it's not like the Cowboys where there's a second half collapse, but I don't imagine there will be. I'm going to finish it uh, either tonight or Tomorrow. Is that okay with you? If I finish the second half this weekend? Yeah, this is not a 2007 Mets situation. I think you're going to. Uh, <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, well, we up, up seven with 17 and we blew it. All right. Yep. Uh, I do want to, let's talk about these Mets. Yep. Now you're a big Mets fan. I'm a big Mets fan. Are you allowing yourself to be optimistically excited yet? I mean, it, it, it's hard not to be right. It's, it's very hard not to be. I mean, you, this team, you know, you keep, saying it, you keep reading it. This team is different. It really is different. I mean, I don't know, like the, the, I don't even know where to start. Like Scherzer, DeGrom, Carrasco, Walker, and Bassett. I mean, like that's, that's like, a, and Peterson, yeah, Peterson, <laughs> like out of nowhere. You know, like yeah. 2007, all our pitchers got hurt in the playoffs. Right. You know, we're praying for John Main and Ali Perez you know, and, yeah, yeah. and the manager is competent and knows what he's doing and right. the rules. Like, like we, we were, this was like Mickey Calloway is challenging reporters to fights. And, you know, Lopez is like, for, you know, happy to be here. Like, I don't, 
I don't know where to even begin. This is this is different. This is one. And they're fun, too. Right. I think that's how it's different. Like, I'm trying to think of, okay, uh, out of every team that we've rooted for, every Mets team in the middle of August, that's been 15 or 20 games over 500. Did we feel that way? Like this team is different. This team is special. I don't think so. Um, Last year's team uh, definitely didn't think they'd blow it to the Braves at this point in the season uh, after the Braves losing their best player, but I really feel like we're going to win the division after what we did to the Braves. We might blow it in the playoffs to the Dodgers, um, but I think we have a deep run and it is fun. Vogelback is fun. Edwin Diaz is fun. The entrance music. You're WWE. You're all about entrance music. Is there anything better than that? There's nothing better than that. Would you say your entrance music would be uh, Huey Lewis? I did actually say that on a podcast the other yeah. day. Working for well, it was my entrance music for my match. That's true. Uh, my uh, the one I won undefeated, still undefeated. I would. I would, WWE, take, but, I would. Yes, yeah. I would take. Um, I'd go with "Take Home" well, by Phil Collins. <laughs> I think that works on many levels because even if you screw up, we're still getting taken home in some respect. Right. A little slow build. A little yeah. slow. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I mean the pageantry. My God. Right. Exactly. Uh, All right. So, yeah, I mean, I just really, you're right. Like, it's so funny. Like right before you didn't hear, I did a a, a Buffalo Wild Wings um, promotional thing where I picked a prop for the year. I, I didn't mean for this to come out this way, but I picked your coach, your football coach, Sean McDermott, 30 to one odds to win coach of the year. Uh, it lends itself to our discussion about we're not used to having competent coaches. You kind of have one. You root for the Bills. I don't ever have one rooting for the Cowboys. And the Mets have been hit or miss for the last um, 50 years of my existence. So, uh, But I think we really have one in Buck. It really is weird. I don't know how he was not managing like the previous three years or what have you. Like he was one of those yeah. guys where every time, you know, like, OK, Terry Collins, you know, everyone loves Terry Collins now. There were there were there were plenty mm-hmm. of times though where he's like, why didn't they pinch run for Jay Bruce? He's like, I didn't know he was fast or not fast. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, look at him. You have eyes, right? Um, you know, but obviously, World Series appearance, all is forgiven. You you tend to love um, Collins, but then you know Callaway. You know, every time like they blow a game, and it's like you mm-hmm. just want a human emotion of like, yeah, right. I'm pissed off. Well, we battled. We could have gone down one, two, three, but someone worked out a walk and we then got out one, two, three. It's just like, uh, yeah, it's so refreshing to have a guy like when Buck does his little like challenge to the, you know, know that there's a competent person, even in the replay booth, who's telling Mm -hmm. him, yeah, we're going to win this one. The the Mets have the number one, you know, replay efficiency stat in terms of things being overturned. It's like, like, who are these people? I love it. This is, un- this is, it's really stupid. And, and yet there's like 50 games left, right? I'm trying to, what's the equivalent of football? Like if your team was eight and three and you're already sending them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know why I'm, I'm comparing everything to football, but anyway, oh, of course we have to stay healthy. You don't want to jinx it and you want to enjoy the run, but uh, pretty cool so far. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do want to talk about the new book. There's just one problem. True tales from the former one time seventh most powerful. Well, explain the seventh most powerful person in WWE. This is out Tuesday, by the way. Um, explain that uh, part of it, because that that's that's funny in itself. So there was a there was a uh, yearly most influential poll in one of the mm-hmm. uh, pay for subscription wrestling newsletter websites um, that. I was able to be privy to in doing the research for the book. 
Um, I don't know how exactly they determined this. I was ranked ahead of Triple H, which shows the uh, you know true scientific <laughs> method behind it because I don't think that has literally ever been the case for a second in my tenure at WWE. Um, but I always thought it was like kind of funny. Like I was seventh and in like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. It's, it's high enough to be considered a big deal, but not too high to be so full of yourself. So, right. you know, I, I took that, like, you know, that particular ranking that year and was like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to run with this because I think, uh, I think this is apt for tonally for the book. Um, and also, you know, as far as the hierarchy, um, I think, I think it was, I think it was pretty accurate. Accurate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you run with it? Yeah. It should yeah. be in your Twitter bio, maybe a <laughs> tombstone, whatever you have planned. Um, and especially since the first six have the last name of McMahon, right? I mean, um, who are even the first six? I don't even know. Aside from Vince. I mean, you got to And yeah. Stephanie. And I don't know what year it was, but go ahead. yeah, it was the mid 2000s. So I would mm-hmm. say, you know, Vince's trainer was probably up there. Um, you know, whoever <laughs> fixes his meals and stuff like that, you know, right, yeah, right. they don't show up. If Vince doesn't get his workout in or isn't fed, um, the whole tenor of the show is going to change and it's going to change, you know, for the worse because he's going to be a very angry person. So I would rank right. ahead of me, um, you know. OK, so you talk about there's little little jabs like that fun. I'm laughing throughout now, but it makes me think like you have to be a little bit scared because you write about like these lunatics. And even if it did. Even if you are telling the truth, they might not remember. You even allude to guys not remember meeting you or, or first encounters and everything. There's a good chance if they read the book, they're not going to remember things as you laid it out. And it's not always the most flattering uh, version of them. Like when I wrote my book, um, I wasn't too worried about my 82 year old Aunt Chippy running after me, you know, chasing me down. Like I've taken a shot from her and it wouldn't hurt. But you, is there anyone you're mildly nervous about reading this or more than anybody else? No, I mean, like, look, time heals a lot of wounds. Uh, not all <laughs> wounds, but a lot of wounds. So, okay. So you'll recover if you get beat up after this, you're saying. Well, yeah, that yeah. wasn't, yeah, that wasn't necessarily what I was going for. <laughs> but you're, you're, of course, you're right. Um, I think it's like, you know, at the time where, you know, it was life or death, um, you know, the idea of like running into Paul Heyman now, when I see Paul, when I go backstage at WWE shows and mm-hmm. him rolling up his sleeves and being like, you know, that thing you said about when we, you know, were fighting in 2002 and got suspended, um, I'm not, I think about that every day. I'm not over it yet. We got to have it out right here. Now, like now it all seems so silly and stupid, you know, compared to in the heat of the moment. Um, right, right, right. This will be a great clip to show when I'm hospitalized by an angry. <laughs> uh, upon I can't wait. Book. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think there's anything in there that, you know, prompts, uh, you know, we need to we need to find this guy's address, uh, storm the Upper East Side of Manhattan and, uh, you know, find this person and then enact our revenge. All right. Okay. I'm glad you're confident. Now of the, uh, eight blur, I think you had eight blurbs, you know, people yeah. speaking on your behalf saying how great the book is, how many of the eight, I think it was rock, Kurt Angle, Ms. Uh, Becky Lynch, uh, McFoley, Booker T Ken Jong. I don't even remember him wrestling uh, that much, but and edge. Yeah. Uh, how many of the eight do you think actually read part of the book? I'm going to say over under is two and a half. Oh, you would, um, that, that's a, that's a way under very, very much over. 
Oh, I said, okay. I sent that. I sent the book to all of them. Um, that doesn't mean anything. And, you know, I got feedback from all of them. And let me tell oh. you, let me tell you something, brother. Um, I don't think <laughs> any of them are really concerned about my feelings. So like, if they thought it sucked or they said, I haven't gotten to it yet. They would just tell me that, you know, I'm like accrued enough. I would say, mm -hmm. I would say Ms. has not read a word of it. That that's for sure. I definitely <laughs> think that, you know, um, well, his blurb is funny then if that's the case, cause he's like, not enough Ms. I guess if it was all about him, he would still think it wasn't enough. Yeah, there's right? never enough Ms. I mean, I think that's kind yeah. of, I think you could use that for all books. Um, uh, right. You know, so yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, Miz would have to be kind of like I'm on the fence about, but everyone else, at the very least, um, and this is all you can ask, uh, would go into the index and look up where their name is and at least read that part. Uh, well, that's what I did. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I, I'm not an idiot. Of course, that's what the first thing, the very first thing I did. And I saw page 159. I went to get to it. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that you weren't, uh, there was no nefarious uh, or defamatory language in there. And your quote for me is, um, Sal was, is a wise ass heel loving Mets fan from Long Island who also grew up idolizing Roddy Piper. And I, I think every bit of that is fair. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank that's you. all. That's all I could really, you know, you're, you're, I mean, how we met and everything, um, you know, it's really I guess we should refresh that. Yeah. yeah how we met. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I don't want to take the, the spotlight here because this is about you and your book, but um, how we met is uh, our mutual friend, Kristen Prouty set me up. She used to be a booker on Jimmy Kimmel Live. She then was in charge of uh, what was called the Divas back then. Right. Um, not in charge, but she would facilitate and getting them to and fro and signing up new talent. And uh, I said, get me a storyline. I would love to get a storyline in the WWE. We can involve my cousin, Jimmy, and I would love Roddy Piper to train me. Somehow that all came together. Roddy Piper, I idolized him, like you said, growing up. So did you. And you had to write my promo. I think we were in, um, where were we? In Kansas, right? Yeah. I think we, I'm pretty sure we were in Kansas and you wrote my promo that was intended to build heat for the match between me and Santino Morella. Right. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. And well, first of all, Kristen was originally brought in to be my right hand person on the, is that right? Wow. Um, and that, you know, went about as well as you could possibly envision it going, um, <laughs> where, you know, she then became the head of entertainment relations um, got uh, along much, much better once she became head of entertainment. We joke about it now all the time. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, it's like, she was like, uh, cousin Sal is going to be on the show. And, you know, and then of course, you know, the subtext of that was like, we're going to get a vignette with Kimmel too. Right. Oh yeah. I'm going to be <laughs> right. in this corner. And, you know, so I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give this uh, Sal guy a call. And I did. And, you know, we worked out our thing, but the key moment, the key moment, the first time, uh, there was like, ah, Okay, this is going to be good. If you recall, it was the night when John Lester threw a no hitter for the Red Sox, and that's right. Yeah, kind of like just kind of you know walked into your you know dressing room area and was like, "Well, another team that's not mine just threw a no hitter," and you're like, "Oh, brother, my team has never thrown a no hitter." Uh, like that yeah. stepbrothers <laughs> moment, and then it was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> You like the Mets, you like Piper. Like, all right, this is you're a Padres fan. Oh no, it was Mets. Yeah. Yeah. This is gonna be just fine. And then yeah, it just kind of took off from there.
Yeah, that was great. Why don't you just root for the Cowboys at this point? Because oh, so we can love the Mets, Piper, and and the Cowboys together. You got to well, the Bills, I root for really? the New York teams. You know, the New I got only one New York team, and I think all New Yorkers, regardless mm-hmm. of what part of the state they're in, should you know support them. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The others in New Jersey, that are, there is something to that. Um, and you went to college in Syracuse, so you weren't that far away from uh, where the Buffalo Bills play. Yeah. And they're um, in their Super Bowl run too, where, you know, at least. Yeah. You're two years, you're two years younger than me. So you were 95, uh, you graduated yeah. college. Right. Yeah. So 93 was the Cowboys. Uh, so yeah, you were, yeah, you were in the midst of all that crap, all that bad stuff. Yeah. Right? It was uh, when I graduated, the Cowboys killed them 52, 17. Yeah. I don't, I don't really, uh, you don't remember that. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about Piper for a second. Cause we both loved them. And, uh, I think we both came about loving the same way. Like, I don't know. I was young and, uh, and like you said, a wise ass and I didn't want to root for the good guys. I didn't like, Bob Backlund or Pedro Morales. And, you know, they were boring. Piper had grit and he was funny. It was important to me that he was funny. Like how many guys were funny? Like Captain Lou Albano was funny. There were probably about six or seven guys were funny. Like Snooka, great baby face, terrifying, not funny. Um, Piper had grit, like I said, funny and would cut himself. And that's all I needed. Yeah. Uh, where would you come out? On I, I was in the same vein, you know, obviously as like a 12 year old, I didn't know about Piper's history in Portland and mid Atlantic and LA and Mexico and everything. You know, I got to, as you did learn about that stuff and was like, Oh my God, we, you know, we're basically WWF is the tip of the iceberg as far as like Riley's career. Um, but yeah. yeah, like, you know, I'd be the one like you, you know, just like, you know, obviously, you know, decades before YouTube, um, just sitting like glassy eyed at MTV sitting through, so many, you know, dire straits videos and, you know, Duran Duran videos, just waiting <laughs> for land of a thousand dances to pop up. <laughs> so we could see Roddy That's interrupt stupid. it and, you know, start cutting a promo on uncle Elmer and, you know, the same thing waiting for the Goonies are good enough video with Piper and, you know, Freddie Blassie and iron Sheik and all these guys showing up, uh, trying to put Cindy Lauper and her gas station out of business. Um, yeah. Do you recall that? There was, it was like, yes. Uh, yeah. And then the Bangle show up the end for some reason, and like none of right. sense. And Spielberg's in it, and it's wonderful. <laughs> and Andre the Giant shows up in like some weird jungle outfit at the end, just like emerges out of a cloud of smoke. Like <laughs> nothing, no part of that video made any sense, and it was just wonderful. But yeah, mm-hmm. same with you. Like watching the Piper's Pits. Uh, I was at the live Piper's Pit in the garden where he ran down Bruno San Martino. San Martino, I was there too. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Um, and yeah, and then the you were you wearing a kilt i was actually wearing a kilt and then had to we were probably on the same train going back <laughs> to long island right uh, but yeah. I, I you weren't wearing a kilt and weren't getting uh <laughs> i was wearing a kilt pelted with my first garbage shirt at that show though yeah good enough yeah good enough yeah so i you know i i'm mixed about this because i'm torn with um advising people to meet their heroes because it, it could go horribly wrong um Probably most of the time. And, and, and I, and I include like, um, them not making eye contact with you going as going horribly wrong or, uh, or it could work out like it did for us. Like, uh, I loved Emmett Smith as a Cowboys running back and he couldn't be more of a douchebag when <laughs> I met him. Um, he walked out on our hidden camera that he and his agent agreed to. Anyway, it's a long story, but Roddy Piper thumbs up, right? Yeah. Uh, I'd also advise 
keep your heroes in the middle. If you like um, C and D level celebrities, it, it, you have a better chance of working it out. Whereas if you're a big Paul McCartney fan, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say I've met the man, but I know Thurman Thomas would never have done that to you. Uh, you should consider, you know, maybe you should consider, you know, okay. to your roots in New York if it's not too late. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really lucky, especially for me, because I had so much against me going into meeting Roddy. He did not have a pleasant experience with previous wrestling writers in WCW mm. and other companies. Uh, he never needed a writer, as we know, you know, getting over, he got himself over mm. in his promos and everything. Um, and also like, who the fuck am I, you know, like <laughs> some, like, you know, 20 something. And when I first met him in, in 2003, like 29 year old weirdo, like kind of hiding in the corner, slack jawed, looking at him, you know, he pretty much had every reason to be like, you know, very dismissive and, and not give me the time of day or intentionally, you know, make my life miserable, but it was just the opposite, you know? Well, not to mention he was, you know, it was touch and go with the company at that point. Right. Well, probably yeah. always was, let's be honest. It probably but, was. Um, yeah. I, I did have, you know, Bruce Pritchard, you know, who's like, you know, one of the long, long time, you know, brother love and, and wrestling creative minds in WWE for decades. He's close with Roddy. So I was, I had mm -hmm. the benefit of Bruce kind of talking me up before I met him. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that had a lot to do with, uh, you know, the, the ice melting before, you know, we really even got started. Right. Uh, I mean, it was the greatest, um, he, I, I liked him better when he was sober, but we had many, many meals. I had meals with you and Roddy together and it was, a just a fun guy and fucking funny as shit. And really like, really cared about you. Like really like a, a gentle gentleman, right? Really like learned his lessons, uh, learned his manners. Yes, sir. No, sir. If you'd go out to eat and he would call me just to find out. He's like, my pal, he'd call him my pal. I was like, why, why aren't you playing with your kids? I'm like, well, I'm talking to you. He's like, hang up the phone and go play with your kids. You know, you learned a lot of life lessons that you, you laughed at at the time, but he was, uh, he was tremendous. I, I do miss him. And I know you do as well. Now he wasn't part of wrestling court though. Right. No, no, he was, that was two years <laughs> earlier. Um, I okay. used, explain to everyone what this is. So wrestlers court, how I opened the book, uh, cause I want to, you know, nobody cares about, you know, and then when I was seven years old, I went, mm -hmm. you know, forget that we need to open. It's a good chapter to start. It's a yeah. perfect chapter to start. Exactly. So I was, um, you know, this is 2001. So I'd been there for like maybe a year or two years, but like really, you know, still, still kind of like introverted, let's just say, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily, you know, being the big hug and, you know, come here, pal, bring it in type of thing. Um, some would say standoffish because of that introverted nature of like, what the hell with this guy? <laughs> um, but the friends that I did have, the people I was close with, I was close with and was always writing for. And one of them was, mm -hmm. you know, the team of edge and Christian, um, and edge, happened to have been given a flash action figure at a comic book signing that he was out. He knew I liked the flash um, and gave it to me. And in that time, you know, hard, the, the one person you don't want to see seeing you get a flash action figure from a wrestler you're very close with hardcore Holly uh, saw this <laughs> transaction, I guess, of sorts take place 
I guess it wasn't a transaction. He just I didn't give him like, you know. Yeah, you got it. It's only you receiving. Yeah. A winger CD or whatever, as you know, listened to at the time. You know, I just took the flash action figure. But I was accused of, you know, basically giving him TV time in exchange for gifts. Uh, mm. Which if I knew that was on the table, I would be giving everybody TV time. Yeah, no kidding. Who wouldn't want gifts given to you? I like, I, I, you know, would do a trick sometimes where, you know, especially when Edge and Christian were doing their five second poses um, and we didn't sport, you know, insult the local sports team. You know, when we went to Boston, I made sure there was a, a Mookie Wilson Buckner five second pose with, with Edge and Christian that they did specifically right. so I can keep the Mets jersey used in the promo afterwards. Uh, this is how wow, I explained most of my wardrobe at the time. So we were, we were pretty close. Bob Holly saw this, Bob, you know, and I get along great with Bob now it's, you know, again, time heals a lot of wounds, but mm-hmm. you know, at the time, this was a serious infraction, you know, if it were to be taken at a certain level of accepting gifts. Uh, so edge Christian and I were summoned to wrestlers court. It's funny because Christian had nothing to do with the flash exchange. Um, and it wasn't mm-hmm. even in the nearby vicinity, but he got dragged into it. Too. Um, and yeah, like this was, this was like a kind of self-policing kangaroo court type system that was done. Uh, so you don't know if your job is on the line, you don't know, you know, everything's ribbing on the square, but these guys are serious and you certainly have to show up to this and present your case. And uh, as if, as if it's a real thing and it, and it kind of is right. Yeah. Well, you know, to set the stage. First of all, I assumed when Stephanie McMahon told me about it, I assumed it was a small tribunal type of like, let's have a little talk. And she's like, get beer and pizza. Uh, So I got I like frantically ran into the concession stands, like overpaid a bribe, like a concession worker who's just like, we don't sell food before the show starts. What are you talking about? I'm like, just take all my money. Give me a pizza and a beer. Thank goodness. I have a box of pizza and a six pack. I'm set. And then I go down mm-hmm. to the where the trial was, and it's literally every single person in the company. <laughs> there had to be over a hundred people, and I'm there with my single six pack and uh, pizza. And I'm like, oh, I guess I won't be needing this anymore. Um, right. At the stage, the Undertaker is the judge. Um, awesome. Kane, the AKA the Big Red Monster, the Devil's favorite demon. Uh, he's the bailiff standing with his arm folded right behind me and, uh, Bradshaw later who would become, you know, JBL, but this is loudmouth Texas. The, the man who I would eventually share season tickets with at Chase stadium. Uh, but I decidedly did not back then. Uh, he was the prosecutor. So, okay. uh, yeah, so that was, and then edge Christian and I are in our little, you know, box, I guess, makeshift box. This is all hours before we're supposed to do a SmackDown live to tape uh, in front of a sold out arena two days after WrestleMania 2017. Um, And yeah, (laughs) it was one of those things where I found out later that Edge and Christian were tipped off to the wrestler's court. This is the first time a writer had ever been taken to wrestler's court. Mm -hmm. There were many writers before then anyway, but it was all by the wrestlers for the wrestlers. So this was like kind of breaking precedent. Uh, Edge and Christian, who later told me uh, a guy whose name rhymes with Bert Fangle, uh, took them off and told them that you're going to wrestler's court. So they came prepared with like props. They had like a fake made up book, how to kiss ass and get ahead and wrestling and everything. And like every time they opened their mouths, 
raucous laughter from the crowd of, you know, WWF circa 2001. Every time I tried to then counter with a laugh, potential laugh of my own, no good. Soul crushing silence. <laughs> like if anything, it just it immediately confusion, anger, like any attempted humor was just met. Like they were just not having it. Um, and then eventually, yeah, like the Edge and Christian part kind of segged out and it became a very real like airing of grievances to the point where Kane, right. like I had to physically step in front of me to stop wrestlers from coming up and uh, you know, airing a little bit more of the piece of their mind. Um and yeah, you know, it's again, it's, it's uh, this is insanity. Like, yeah. I would does this still go on? By the way, we'll get to the result no, in a second. I but can't imagine. This, yeah. I can't imagine it goes on anymore. First of all, all right. this is two thousand one, so there's no social media. There's no like. It was very mm-hmm. easy to do something that would be contained within, you know, outside of maybe like someone talking to a dirt sheet or something, but like. Right. It's hazing and feelings are hurt. And so it wouldn't, wouldn't work today. Yeah. 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 There were, there was a lot, there are a lot of things written about in the book that would not work today. Um, right. Taking a second rope power bomb when we were snowed in in Baltimore from Bubba Dudley. Um, that's a whole other thing, but yeah, like I, we were all found guilty. Um, Paul Heyman testified against me in a very uh, Paulie's type of way that was like, straddling the line between sort of true, but also kind of not true. Um, it was just right. a burial beyond all human understanding uh, to the point where uh, like Pat Patterson, legendary Pat came in, you know, towards the end, not realizing that the tone of the trial was not like any other trial. And he was thinking it was all like, you know, ribbing on the square happy. Mm-hmm. And he's just like that little shitty change of my matches. Ah, I hate them. <laughs> And like the crowd is like, you're changing the legendary Pat Patterson's matches. Uh, and then afterwards, I just heard him being like, oh, I thought you guys were ripping. My Pat straddles the line between Count Dracula. That's good. And, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's French. Yeah. Count Patula. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, that's good. <laughs> uh, you know, he apologized to me afterwards, which he didn't have to do. Uh, I, I ended up, you know, again, has it never before and never since I asked him for one of his cigarettes and smoked it right there on the spot <laughs> just out of just sheer uh like like the life sucking out of me uh but take and so you didn't even get a sentence the same day you were uh prosecuted no we had to <laughs> wait for us we were found guilty yeah. that that much was that much was established <laughs> but we had to wait to see what the penance would be and what the uh punishment was so that was a fun mm. week um <laughs> and then of course like i'm not getting any support but like vince stephanie the, how'd the trial go <laughs> i bet that was a hoot anyway seg two where are we with that like i don't know i don't know where we are with seg two i was out running around trying to buy a pizza and beer for right. you know, six people in a crowd of 100 um so yeah but the taker was very very cool you know i, I was i had to write a 5,000 word essay on why i respected the business um, and I did it in all- that was the sentence. Yeah, yeah. Amongst other things like, you know, hang out with Funaki and like all these, which makes sense within the chapter that you read, but it was mainly right. the essay. I, I wrote it very sincerely. I did not try to be a wise ass. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, he, he gave me an A plus on it. So it all, it all, all good. Well, there you go. Yeah. Who do you think would be the best actual like, real life judge out of all the wrestlers you've come across? Um, I mean, Undertaker might it might just work for him. J, JBL, I could see that. I mean, I'm I, looking like uh, thinking of like TV judges and stuff. 
Judge JBL, I would I would pay to see that show. Mm-hmm. I think he would be very good at that. Um, I, you know, he's very he's not a he he doesn't really hide his feelings. <laughs> uh, right. Judge Michael Hayes would be a, an excellent show. Um, you know, if you're allowed to, you know, you'd have to stream it because there'd be a lot of profanity. Uh, there'd probably be speaking. Right. Um, you know, I think you know, or long before it's fuck me. It's fuck you. That's a that's a greatest hit direct quote of Michael Hayes, you know, whenever you try to curse him out. So yeah, I, I think I would pay to see either of those. Awesome. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, you talk about in the book uh, the misconceptions of being a WWE writer. What are what are some of them? Um I think you talk about how people think that they're not fans to start. And you would say that's not the case with almost all of them, right? Yeah, I would say there, there's a lot of perceptions of like they take Hollywood, quote unquote, Hollywood writers who have known nothing about wrestling and put them into the company. Uh, and on the uh-huh. flip side, they also say they don't want Hollywood, you know, wrestling, quote unquote, marks and being a fan of wrestling, um, you know, either. So at that point, it's like, well, if they're not, if they, they either know nothing about wrestling or everything about wrestling and neither one of them is acceptable, you know, you're kind of limiting the pool a little bit. Right, right. Reality is, they, they, yes, there are some people with Hollywood, you know, credits who come in, and I would say, you know, of those people, those who were not fans and were just thought like, oh, I could be plucked from any TV show and then put in the WWE, I'd say maybe five percent of those people, you know, gathered any kind of success. Uh, hmm. I would say by far the majority of them are fans. Um, in terms of, you know, if you go, if you come to the I remember like if you come to an interview when we were interviewing people and we're like, Hey, listen, you know, I'll just use my, me for an example. Like I've been to WrestleMania's 10, 11 and 12 before even starting here. Uh, I idolized Roddy Piper. Uh, I love all the aspects of the business and this is my favorite angle and this is blah, blah, blah. You know, that bodes well for you. Actually, it doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. if you come in and go, well, you know what well, I've been reading the, you know, blank, you know, newsletter, you know, pay newsletter insider. And I know all the marks are thinking of this, but in order to get, you know, and start like trying to impress everybody with insider terms and, you know, being like, so like I could picture this person on the phone with Dave Meltzer within seconds of, you know, this interview ending. So that, you know, if you're like, so like talking inside, um, that usually wasn't like, uh, boding well for your chances, but being a fan is actually, you know, something that's at least when I was there preferred because there's like 50 characters between the two shows and mm-hmm. you have a working knowledge of them and, and the history of the business and how things have succeeded and how things haven't succeeded and why that's like, it's very beneficial to have that base of knowledge before, uh, you know, embarking on. Yeah. It's gotta be, it's gotta be a little bit, right. I'm trying to yeah. think of like, um, g- comparing it to Jimmy Kim alive and the writers that we've hired and, you know, to, to not know anything is, um, okay. I mean, anything could work, right. You could have someone who's never seen the show and they could like get it right away, but the, the odds are against it. And then you could have a big fan of the show. Who's like kind of too close to it already. And that doesn't work, but you don't want people pitching stuff for Uncle Sal, right? <laughs> because that's, that's, uh, so it's got to be somewhere. To, I remember my friend David Weinstein, who actually worked for Kimmel and the WWE. It was after you went, after you left. I think he lasted like eight weeks as a writer on Kimmel and even less at the WWE. 
because he hadn't watched since the um, Bruno San Martino days, mm. but they told him going in, they're like, well, this is great. We can mold you. You know, you have no preconceived opinions on anything, right? Like you, you, know, you have no bad habits in terms of writing for these characters. And he's like, okay, great. And then he would pitch two or three and four and 10 things that you guys had already done already. And they're like, we already did that stupid. So it's like, whoa. Yeah, but you so know, it's really a tough balance to strike, the right? Of that though is I don't know who the they is. So the they could be WWE HR, for example. And HR would have the attitude of, oh, that's great, a fresh perspective and a Hollywood credit, mm -hmm. IMDb page, what's not to love? And then the writers in the writer's room would be saying the latter thing. You see, I, I don't know if it's the mm -hmm. same people who are saying like, great, you don't know nothing, come on in. Right. Idiot, we've already done that. It might be, you yeah. know, he might've gotten those messages from two very distinct departments. Okay, maybe he should reapply then. I'm gonna, I'm hey, gonna recommend that he, uh, he do so. <laughs> um, you're, you're very, very tight with The Rock. Want to talk? Um, I think you met. It was like an MTV gig, right? Where you guys met? Yeah, I, I was, you know, brought in through a bunch of fortuitous. Um, I know you know nothing about. I mean, literally nothing about you know Hollywood and sometimes using nepotism to you know succeed in some capacity. Yeah. Um, Heard about it. Don't like it. Jim Belushi. God bless him. Yeah. But whatever. It's what is he without his? Yeah. I uh, it gets me sick. Uh, yeah. You know, I threw a series of nepotistic opportunities between my uncle, you know, s supplying an internship for my sister at MTV. Um, you know, my sister called me to say, Hey, like we got a bunch of 1999 SummerSlam specials going on and nobody here knows anything about WWE. Mm -hmm. You, uh, you know, sign on. And, you know, and that's where, you know, when we hear anything nepotistic, it's like, okay, yes, to a degree, there's that. But ultimately, you have to step up to the plate and prove yourself and on your own mm. merits, because otherwise, you know, what are we even talking about? So, right, right. Um, you know, I wrote a bunch of samples. I got hired off of that. Uh, and one of them, yeah, was, was the WWF at the time, Superstars introduced their favorite music videos. Uh, and I had to do it for Triple H, uh, Mankind, and The Rock. And The Rock was the last one. Uh, and that's where we first met. And that's where, you know, he was like, hey, it's not written in this, but what if we did a teaser going into my segment? Well, you're on the phone. You ask me what I think. I'll ask you what you think of my $500 shirt. I'll hit you within a dozen matter. And then I'll pipe the segment. I'm just like, uh, okay, sure. This is actually you in it. Yeah, yeah. this is not just uh, somebody else. Oh, yeah, right. With some of the worst acting, you know, you've ever seen. <laughs> like, yes, that, oh my God, it's The Rock. You know, <laughs> that's right. It's the rock and the rock wants to know what you think of it. Doesn't matter. You know, and all that. Um, right. You know, there's a reason my, my, my cameos in WWE land were very limited, but, um, this is somewhere on the, on Insta. Didn't you say the rock found it on Instagram or we, something or on YouTube somewhere? Someone on uh, like a rock fan page on Instagram found it. I don't know how they found it mm -hmm. because I can't find it on YouTube. And when I called MTV at one point to see if they had it, just out of curiosity, no they, chance. they sent me the wrong show. Um, you know, it, <laughs> right. like it doesn't exist except on this one Instagram page. Um, and even that is just like a little clip of it, but yeah, it, it is proof that it did happen. Um, and he liked what I wrote. He suggested, Hey, have you ever given thought of this WWE, uh, company as, as a place to potentially work at, um, said a lot mm -hmm. cooler than how I just said it, by the way. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, as you know, one thing led to another couple of writers left to go to WCW. 
I there was an opening, a hey, we need you here. Uh, if you're interested, immediately we'll move your car. We'll move all. You know, we'll put you up in Stanford. You'll start as like literally fifty percent of the writing team. Um, how how about it? Mm. And so yeah, at that point I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Amazing. And then you became the rocks, like I said, right hand man. I mean, you write all his promos, right? And do you think actually you would still be there if it weren't for the rock? He pulled you away to his now uh, very successful endeavors uh, away from the. Uh, Aside from the WWE, right? Someone phrased it as, you know, it's funny because Rock brought you in and Rock also took you out. Uh, yeah. You know, because when he was starting his production company, um, you know, he offered me the chance, him and Danny Garcia's production company, Seven Bucks, offered me the chance to come aboard. But I would say this, I would want to point out something. Um, I don't I don't think I've ever solo written a Rock promo in my life. You know, he's one of those guys that is that's not what it says in the book well Kate no, Babes, no, okay. no. um <laughs> he's one of those guys that is very collaborative um and always mm-hmm. like i you know we collaborated on every segment you know when i started mm-hmm. working there um but it was never you know certain wrestlers like it when you you know not many but some like kurt angle for example in the beginning of his career just like i am a human machine give me what i need to say i'll compute it i will say it flawlessly and that would take a big weight off my shoulders. Um, hmm. you know, Rock was like, yeah, what do you got tonight? Uh, well, I was thinking this and this. Okay, well, what if I said this and this and this instead? Oh, yeah, that would be better, wouldn't it? Yeah, so, uh, and hey, what do you think of this line? Yeah, that's good. And we just, you know, really collaborate for, you know, yeah. a good portion of, you know, while a show's going on, uh, often backstage and the craziness. But, I, you know, he'd go off to work on his match. I'd put it to paper. I'd give it to him. Uh, he'd tweak it again. Uh, and then he'd perform it live um, with like mm-hmm. no sweat. So, you know, that was our process. And it just like, you know, it's just we just clicked. That must be tough to figure out. Or maybe you get a heads up ahead of time. Like, okay, this guy wants everything spoon fed and this guy wants it 50-50. And then this guy just don't even look, um, make eye contact. Is it, did you learn the hard way of, uh, you know, the, the, of the last example I gave? Like, is there an intimidating force who... Um, you, you you left bewildered after trying to pitch a promo. Well, a a handy checklist of uh, those columns being filled would have been extraordinarily helpful uh, back then. But you yeah. really don't know. So there was this like this is very obscure wrestler. He, he didn't like really achieve all that much success. Um, you probably don't remember him, um, but his name's Stone Cold Steve Austin. And oh. No. If you search, if you rack your brain, you might be able to uh, think of a pro no. or a match. Okay, I'll look after yeah, this. I'll, yeah, I'll Google him afterwards. Um, you know, he was one of those guys who, uh, you know, got himself over as the most over wrestler in the history of the business, uh, really without anyone needing to write anything for him um, and really mm-hmm. didn't want anyone. And he performed better. To this day, he performs better you know, with like, give me the gist of what I need to say. Let me go out and say it. Um, so uh, yeah, that was one where I was put in a very un, in, uh, unenviable position where, you know, the company went, when Steve went out, he, he had surgery, he was taken out. He came back, you know, in, in 2000, 2001, whenever it was. And the company WWE had gone public at that point. And Vince was like, now a little bit more, the company in general was a little bit more, uh, in the mode of I want I'm a we're a television show, television shows are scripted. I want to know what the performers are saying before they go out there. 
So Brian, go ahead and give Steve this promo that, uh, you know, we've worked on and, you know, it was like, that's perfect. Cause you get in trouble, all sorts of trouble. If they go off script, I could already tell how this ends. Oh, but there's, yeah. there's so many avenues of trouble, yeah. you know, there's the, right. uh, so what did Steve think? Is he going to read it? Or is he going to do it as, as scripted? Like, no, uh, Steve, what do you think? I think this is trash. Okay. Uh, do you want to mm. sit down? Like there wasn't like, again, Steve was, he, when you're the greatest, you know, superstar of all time, which, which he is, in my opinion, um, mm -hmm. there, there's this like, and, and then you go out and you've made the company you've seen, you know, you're not single handedly, I'd say, but like a major part in winning the Monday night wars and putting the competition out of business and making the company millions upon millions. Um, and then all of a sudden you come back and after rehabbing and going through all this hell and the system is now different than what it used to be. Um, and not necessarily for the better, better for some people, some people liked it, but not better for him. Right. Uh, yeah, it's going to cause tension and it's going to cause like, uh, you know, very, very, very awkwardness on my part, because the last thing I wanted to do, all I care about was Vince saying, yeah, let Steve go off and do his own thing. Uh, and we don't need to worry about that. But it wasn't sure. as cut and dry as that. It was like, no, we need, you know, we're as a company, we're evolving, we're, we, we know what people are saying. We have, a, we're a publicly traded company now. We want to know what people are saying. Um, so we're going to evolve with the times. And I don't necessarily know if that was evolving or devolving. Um, but it took mm -hmm. a long while for it to, uh, work out. And, uh, you know, thankfully I, I do get along great with Steve now, but you know, it was a little tense back then. Mm -hmm. But so uh, aside from the double power bomb, uh, when you guys were snowed in that, that was uh set up, I'm guessing that wasn't, uh, wasn't completely against your, against your will, but did, what was the most nervous you ever were in the presence of a wrestler? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give some context. I mean, again, we're, I wrote about it in the book, but you yeah, know, we, we show was almost I'm old. setting you up, Brian. Yeah. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the heads up. You could edit that part out. <laughs> Anyways. No. Um, yeah, they, they were, we were snowed in and SmackDown. It wasn't a live show. So we had the benefit of, you know, waiting for the next day. Uh, and yeah, it was voluntary, but sort of not. Because I, I looked up and I saw like Tommy Blacha, the other writer, up for a suplex. It was just like wrestlers kind of just, you know, um, they wouldn't mm -hmm. use the word kibitzing, but, uh, you know, <laughs> kibitzing around, just hanging out, <laughs> doing, you know, funny things. Like Tommy took a suplex and then Bubba turned to me and was like, let's do a power bomb. And, you know, at that point, like every, not every wrestler, but a ton of wrestlers are in the vicinity. And if I wuss out and say, nah, I'm good. Thanks. You know, it's going to spread throughout the way. Hey, this asshole is telling us to do ladder matches, right. and table matches, and he can't even take a simple double power bomb from the second rope. Um, you know, <laughs> so I really like, all right. On the other hand, you don't want this to be ceremonial and start every, um, <laughs> every, uh, pay-per-view event, right. Off camera. No, so. I had no idea. <laughs> I had never taken a bump bump before, you know, Shane had this. Uh running the ropes, you know, with the uh, practice ring at the studio and everything. I got nauseous after five seconds, but I didn't know what it was. it was like, again, something that will never occur in this day and age. Thankfully there like weren't cell phones back then where you could record video yeah. and stuff like that. This is 2000, which is insane to think it was 22 years ago, but I was mm -hmm. just like, all right, I'll take the power bomb, I guess. 
Um, you know, and I yeah. got up there like second rope, you know, because you could do a power bomb just standing. Uh, but this was a second rope one with Devon like lifting me, ascending me up as Bubba Dudley is taking me. And it's not like Bubba and I, you know, were were bowling together on Sundays either. You know, we weren't exactly mm-hmm. close. In fact, I think I had pitched a match where he lost, he and the Dudleys lost to Al Snow and Steve Blackman the week. Uh. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what to expect. And as I'm going up, I hear Shane yelling, tuck your head in. I'm like what? And then we're airborne. But, you know, thankfully, you know, like Bubba, total pro, you know, I think his ass took most of the bump. Um, right. But I still took it. And I got to say. Tuck your chin. Yeah. I, I did tuck my chin. I didn't bang my head or anything. It was kind of exhilarating. I, I felt, like, <laughs> felt like a man. Like, this is like, I felt like a little bit of a, a world beater. I Like. Nice. Walking down to the, you know, I walked to the hotel bar in, in the Baltimore Sheridan after the, you know, once we all went home and like you know, I ordered two beers instead of one. Like that was like, it was a big deal. Wow. Yeah. So look um, at you. And then Good for like, you. that was, that was basically your wrestling bar mitzvah, right? Yeah. That was, you know, as you know, the 86 Mets were my actual bar mitzvah, but mm-hmm. that was definitely my wrestling bar mitzvah. I became a man that nice. Um, uh, did I tell you I went to high school with Devon Dudley? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, he was a couple of years. He never powerbombed me or set me up for one, but he we played football together. He had a sack dance, which is outrageous back then because I think it was like, it wasn't before Gastineau, but it was right around then. I think he was like the only one in the league with a sack dance. Like, oh, this guy's going places. <laughs> he was two, two years younger than the rest of us and sacking everybody. But yeah, good, good dude indeed. All right, well, this has been uh, terrific. Um, I do have one more question for you. First of all, the Miz wins MVP. Did you congratulate him on MVP of the celebrity softball game? I did not. No, it didn't even occur to me to, even, okay. you know, all I know, all I know is Mr. Cleveland, uh, you know, took that opportunity at the softball game to do one of his sickening hype videos for come on, Dodger fans, get up. Cause everyone loves the get up guy, you know, in the stands yeah. and everything. And now you can see him on the video <laughs> and it's like, aren't you like captain Cleveland? What do you, what do you do your Dodgers outfit telling everyone? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, it's sickening. Yeah. Go root on your guardians. Whatever yeah. the hell they're called. Yeah. But no, this proves that we can do an interview without him. This is nice. And uh, yeah. uh, he's going to find out about it this too. Is the first interview um, we've ever my, done that didn't involve Miz and I yelling at each other. It's true. 40 minutes straight. Yeah. It's refreshing. It's kind of refreshing. I like both actually. Yeah. Um, here's your, here's your scenario. Okay. The Mets win the world series, but the bills go 0 and 17 with Josh Allen tearing his ACL week one against the Rams. Do you take it? Can, can I mean, I don't want, Tearing the ACL, well, we just go over for 17 in general and like just a bunch of, you know, like space um, aliens have taken I, Josh Allen away or something like that. Do we have to have, let me get back to, I'll have to ask my guy who sets these things up, but I, I think you're getting too much bang for your buck in that scenario. I, I would, um, I mean, it would be rough, but I, yeah, if I had put on the spot, I would take a world series win, uh, versus the Owen 17. I mean, the bills, I love the Bills, but you know it goes Mets, Knicks, uh, Syracuse basketball, mm-hmm. Bills, Syracuse football, and the Islanders if they're good. You know I gotta you gotta take the World Series. In the 80s. <laughs> Islanders if they're good. We never <laughs> we we thought this would be a regular occurrence after '86. I know. Never, I, I know. I, I was at Shea Stadium when the Yankees celebrated with Kurt Angle, by the way, 
we both went. I had uh, my. I was there too, but not with Kurt Angle. Yeah, yeah. I ran out of there to catch the seven train. I couldn't watch Bernie Williams circle under the Piazza fly ball. Oh my god, disgusting. And I was there in 2015. You know when the Royals celebrated on our field. Mm-hmm. Is just something. Well, how, how did that team win? They almost won two World Series. Like how? How the? What? What, what happened there? Oh. I, I don't. Yeah, it's familiar. Like, I yeah. I need another one. It's not. I, I just. The, the the world's the the Super Bowls with the Bills were heartbreaking, but this 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 needs to happen, and it needs to happen. We're so far away, though. Still, the playoffs aren't for another two months. <laughs> they really are. They'll get started for us for two months if we were lucky enough to um, have won the division and yeah. get that buy of sorts. Yeah, but it's exciting. It really is. And you have a book out. What a year! This would this would be the greatest year of your life, right? If the Mets won the World Series, Mets win the World Series. Bills favored Bills win the the uh, Super Bowl and uh, and Brian's book comes out. My God, what's uh, better than that? You can't top that, right? No, no, you're right. There's there's no topping that. Um, you know, and if the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell, you know, like I don't even, yeah. Forget the Knicks. They lost to some guys who like uh, work in a construction site the other day. You saw that the three of them lost. What was it, Randall and uh, Brunson, Brunson and, Toppin and Randall? Yeah. Topping. Yeah. They're just, you know, they're, they're giving those guys like, you know, they want to boost the community and, and make people feel good about themselves. I, th- I see. I think they, uh, they job. <laughs> well, that's a switch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're not used to that. Um, but no, this could, this could potentially, I don't want to like, like look back at, you know, after whatever looming disaster happens uh, on all three fronts. Um, but yeah. yeah, like right now, like, yes, this is, not going to jinx anything, but, you know, I'd love to, uh, you know, do another show with you, uh, in November post after the postseason, uh, on, a, on, on our terms, which, you know, involves a world series win. Let's please do it. Uh, I am uh, just for fun. Now the Mets are five to one odds. They were like plus seven fifty, And I know you're a crazy gambler too. You're, you're betting $10 on every single bet on the board there. But, uh, if you do Mets, and you do bills, you're looking at 44 to one. Um, it's pretty good. And how the computer won't even yeah. shut down before I go and make that bet. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. What's wrong with 44 to one? I go know. get it now. I love it. Are you kidding? Like when the Grom <laughs> went, when, when the injury news about the Grom happened and the line for the Mets season win total went from like 91, 92 to 89 and a half. I immediately jumped on the over for that. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's looking pretty damn good right now. It really is. There's just one problem. True tales from the former one-time seventh most powerful person in WWE. There it is. Brian Gewertz. It comes out Tuesday, right? Tuesday the 16th. Yes. And it's available for pre-order uh, even before that. I love it. And and you're probably not seventh most powerful person right now, right? I would love to see the rankings now. You're oh, still up there, I think. Well, it's kind of like, you know, when, when they retire in tennis and sometimes give you a wild card in the tournament, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, he's an entity that's, that's out there. Right. Isn't exactly on the <laughs> ATP tour. How about that? A right. last minute tennis reference, right? When, uh, right at the last second. I knew you'd get it in. I just yeah. knew you'd sneak it in somewhere <laughs> in there. This guy wants us to talk tennis. He's bursting for crying oh, out loud. Finally. All right, Brian, hopefully maybe I'll see you tonight at the, uh, at city field. That would be awesome. Scherzer going, it's blackout, you know, Black Friday, Jersey, whatever. Um, I'll be there. Right. Uh, yeah, let's definitely meet up. We'll meet uh, by the statue, the Apple, the Shake Shack line, Mr. Metz, 
bachelor pad, wherever, wherever you are, we'll, we'll find each other. I love it. We'll toast uh, Roddy and then uh, with shakes uh, from Shake Shack. And then we'll listen for the horns, which uh, signify an automatic win. Edwin Diaz out of the bullpen. Like, Thanks so much, Brian. That was fun. Thank you. I'll talk soon. All right. There he is. What a character that Brian is. Uh, we will be back with a degenerate trifecta on Monday going over college football, everything. I think we're hitting the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, is that the same conference? I'm not even sure anymore. No, I think they're split up for another year or so. But we're going to hit that. Everything college coming up next week on Against the Laws. And that'll do it for another episode. For Mikey Meatballs, Eddie Spaghetti, Babyface Joel Solomon, Brian Gewurz, I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Na, na, na.